right, Charlotte, this is what you wanted. It's the Pete Callender Show. No, I'm kidding. It's the election results. You asked for it. You're going to get it good and hard now. Uh, this is uh, News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Status quo wins last night, seems like, in the Charlotte City Council election. And uh, got in studio with me Larry Shaheen. He is an attorney and a political consultant. Hello, Larry. Hey, hello, Pete. Welcome back, sir. It's good to see you again. That's great to see you. I haven't had a chance to tell you how much how excited I am that you're back in Charlotte. Well, you already told me that. Yes, but now it's public. Oh, okay. All right, that's fair. Well, I mean, you did say that in public at that the Mecklenburg Young Republic. Yes, that is meeting, true. Right? That is true. So I, we, yes, your your affinity for my presence here is well documented. <laughs> no, I appreciate uh, appreciate you coming in to discuss the uh, the results. And if you uh, if you want to, you can hang out here the whole hour. If you got nothing else better to do, you don't want to make any money, you can hang out here. Um, so let's go over the results here uh, real quick. We've got in uh, at large race, and just for the record here, I do not predict election outcomes mm-hmm. any longer after 2016. I gave it up. Yeah, because I stink at it. You are in the business, I think, of, of probably doing that more than I am. Um, so when people said they were surprised at sort of how the the field settled in the at-large city council races, I was not surprised because yeah. I held zero opinion. Yeah. Right. So number one, Dimple Ajmira. Mm-hmm. Number two, Braxton Winston. Mm-hmm. Uh, number three, Luana Slack Mayfield. And number four, James Mitchell. Yeah. That's, a, that's the observer endorsement plus smudgy. Smudgy. And James Smudgy Mitchell and uh, all four of them Democrats. And so uh, what I guess the the message here is that we want uh, anti-cop. Uh, we want, uh, you know, somebody with a business uh, with business dealings that are kind of murky, maybe conflicts and stuff. We want a 9-11 truther. <laughs> These are the people that we need running the city of Charlotte. And uh, this is not just an endorsement from the Democrat voters. But you as a campaign consultant, political consultant for Republicans, this is also largely due to Republicans because they did not show up and vote yesterday. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a lot of it. I mean, you're talking 8.1% turnout, right? You're talking a, a very small turnout. Uh, what is the 8.1%? Because I've heard 12%. Was it, was it 12%? I'm talking, of the ballots cast, yes. Yeah, 72,000 out of like 604. 604. So, I mean, you're talking like percentages that are just minimal, mm-hmm. you know, absolutely minimal. Below a primary. Below below a primary. And, and and the issue that we continue to have, I personally am of the opinion that the Charlotte City Council should be nonpartisan because most of the issues they deal with are nonpartisan. And that would help encourage business involvement. However. Wait, wait, wait. Hang yeah. on a second. You, you, you give me a lot. You, you put a lot of meat on the bone there. Yeah, there All you right. go. So first off. Um, do you really want the business community to be more involved? Because I'm of the opinion that the reason why we are in we, we are where we are is because the business community got so involved 30 years ago. Oh, I'm gonna be I'm gonna push back on that because I'm gonna tell you right now. You can tell they're not involved. You can tell that they're not engaged. Mm-hmm. And here you can just just look at the campaign finance numbers. Okay, mm-hmm. let's go back to 2009. No, no, I, yeah, I, yeah, I agree. Yeah. So yeah. I agree that you're what you're saying is you want the business community to be more involved. Yeah. I agree with the yeah. premise that they're not any longer. As much as they were. My contention is that we are in the situation we are in is because they got involved way back when under the uh, under the belief that if you fed the alligator, it would eat you last. And they were correct. It ate all the Republicans (laughs) and now it ate the business community. (laughs) Well, I would I would push back on on that on one item. I think that the unfortunate thing that happened was and, and this was a this was a conscious choice. Um, I think there was a, an emerging of the folks who were elected that were Republican at the time with the business community, right? 
And the thing was, was that the business community told the Republicans, don't attack the Democrats. They're Mm going to start outnumbering you. We need to figure out a way to work together. And what that ultimately involved was some decisions like like the arena. I think you can look at the arena as an exact choice like that. Uh, led to some decisions that were against what the Republican base wanted. So you wound up with a Republican base who just became disenfranchised with their current elected leadership. Mm-hmm. And that was that started right around 2003, 2005. 2007 was a, was a continuation. But in 2009, John Lasseter kind of, you know, he, 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 he lost because the state Democratic Party came down here and got involved in Anthony Fox's race. Well, and also Anthony yeah. Fox promised the streetcar line. Street line. I've been saying this yeah. since I got back. Right. And, and now that the whole cat system is like imploding before our eyes, and they're like, "Well, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't." Be it proved all at the of them right. Car. Right. Lasseter Everybody right. who complained about the streetcar Lasseter was absolutely right. Right. We, our city, would not be in the situation where we are losing population. You saw that report that just I did. Came out I've the got other it. Day. I've got it from With the Charlotte Ledger. Losing population. We've got uh, Charlotte wasn't even ranked on the top. I think it was like the top fifty. Uh, local municipalities that just came out. There was a ranking. I, I got to pull, go pull that number. It was Raleigh. It was Burlington. And then it was some other uh, location in North Carolina. And it was not Charlotte. Charlotte is ranking below Raleigh consistently, time over time again. But here's the thing. I mean, when, when you look at the results from last night at, at large, it's not a surprise. And it shouldn't be a surprise because this is what has occurred over time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to posit a theory to you. I've been talking with folks all over the state this morning. I do love me some theories. I know. You love theories. It would cost a million dollars to get somebody on the city council at large right now because of how large the city is. Mm-hmm. You're talking half a million dollars in turnout from Republicans. You're talking half a quarter million dollars in IE that would have to go after the Democrats and attack the Democrats. And then you're talking another quarter million dollars to prop up that one individual to be able to make it. And that's just one city council member. So the issue. What if you had, say, a slate? Well, and the slate can do well. But again, you got it. This is a turnout election. Mm -hmm. Like we've got it like like the, the city council folks like did a great job. There is no question that they activated their grassroots and did a fantastic effort to get people to turn out. It showed in Tark's race. Tark's race had more Republicans by percentage in early vote than they ever had. That's Tark Bakari. Tark Bakari, District 6, District House member who won. And, and, and his victory was directly attributable to a lot of the grassroots activity that took place because the state party came down here and did an immense amount of work. But again, just like they've been doing for years and years and years, the state Democratic Party came down here and did a lot of work on behalf of Vi Lyles and the rest of the Democrats. I could see them in the purple shirts yes. at their uh, at right. their party headquarters the- last night at Heist, which is, gosh, way on brand there for Democrats. But, um, <laughs> oh, I love Heist Brewery. Um, but uh, uh, the the SEIU, yeah, they were all there in the purple they were shirts. all there in the purple shirts, mm-hmm. and I mean you've got all these act all these nonprofits. I mean, look, you look at Arabella Advisors. You mm-hmm. know, they just moved into Durham. You know, you've got all this IE money that comes in for Democrats, and the Republicans are just kind of like, well, we're going to have a a campaign, we're going to go out there and do our best, and and they did, they did their very best. But again, it was an underfunding issue. It was the fact that our business, and I, and, and I and I personally think that the business community has got to make a decision. They have. If the business community wants Charlotte to be like Nashville, if they want it to be like Austin, if they want it to be like any of these other cities that are growing, they've got to decide, okay, we're not, we're not putting up with this. And they're either going to put up smart, conservative Democrats who are going to be pro-business along with a slate of Republicans and districts that they can win, or they're just going to not do that. And we're going to continue along the path that we're on, failing bus system, failing everything else. You, that, that, they've already decided that. I don't know if they have yet because it hasn't gotten bad enough. Julie, I would yet. submit Julie Iselt was the one 
was the candidate that probably fit closest to that definition of what you just said of conservative Democrat. Oh, no, no. Initially, when she first ran, was she not? When she first lo- ran. I know. That's what I'm saying. And look what happened. See, that's so. She became what everything nobody wanted. And, UDO that's, is and you can't avoid it. Example of that. Right. And you cannot avoid it. It's you cannot avoid that happening because that's the base of the Democrat Party now. I agree. And you that, can't yeah, se- I agree. You can't send conservative, quote unquote, Democrats. Because they they can't get through a primary. Joe White knew Larkin's, this twenty Larkin years ago. Larkin is a good example. Larkin Eggleston's yeah. a good example. Right. I mean, right. The fact that Larkin was not on this on the ballot y- yesterday was a travesty for this city. Anyone yeah. and anybody except the most liberal Democrats can agree that Larkin was an excellent public servant and did a great job. And the fact that he was not on the on, on, he's a Democrat I would have voted for. Frankly, I would have. And there's the kiss of death. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, more with Larry Shaheen. He's a political consultant uh, and an attorney. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Sorry, WBT. Got to say it like that. WBT. WBT. Yeah, That's Larry that. Shaheen. He is an attorney. He's a political consultant. And uh, just for uh, you did work in this Charlotte City Council I represent, race. I did represent. Yeah, I worked with an independent expenditure effort that that came in and, and participated in the race. We had. Yeah. Okay. So uh, let's talk about Tark Bokhari. And uh, his District 6 race that he barely won by like 400 votes. And um, this is a success in your view. I saw you on the the Twitter machine and uh, you said, look, the fact that he won this district is pretty impressive at all, let alone, I mean, 400 votes right. is still very close roughly, but... The fact that he wanted it all is impressive. It, the fact that he wanted it all is impressive, and and you gotta you gotta back this out. So let's let's not look at the previous district, okay? Because you look the at way the way it was drawn, the right. way it was drawn, and and yeah, they say, well, there was a shift in more Republicans. Okay, I'm sorry. The previous district would have been 31.4 percent Democrat and like 30.9 percent Republican. So you went to 31.1 percent Republican and 30.9 percent Democrat with 38 percent unaffiliated who all voted for Joe Biden. Right. Please tell me how that makes it a positively Republican district. This is the definition of swing. Right. Now, oh, well, see, it's only gerrymandering when Republicans do it. It's only gerrymandering it. when Republicans do it. Right. But the problem is, is that in, in even in Charlotte, given the results of the previous uh, three elections, 16, 18, and 20, yeah. parts of Charlotte are as blue as they can get. I mean, Dan McCready won just about all of South Charlotte when he ran in 2000 and. Uh, 2019, when he did that, when he had the special, and against then in 2018, it was better. It, it, and Harris, he actually did actually did better against Bishop than he did against Harris. Hmm. Bishop won because of the out east areas, the Robisons, and so on. So if the, if, if if the trend line is okay, Charlotte City Council District Six is a plus 22 Biden district. It's a plus nine Cunningham district. Cooper that was Cal Cunningham. Cal Cunningham. He of the a, 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 a barbecue and, and 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 sleeping around fame. Right. Um. But when you're the Jody. When, the, oh God. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> but when but when you're but when you're going to talk about what this district is, take it out anywhere else in the country. This is a leans D district, right? That was just won by a Republican, right? Okay, was th- th- whether it was by four hundred votes or four thousand votes, this should not have been won by a Republican. But it was won because Tarek is the is a unique kind of candidate in that he is he is more to the middle. Mm-hmm. You have to admit that with the NDO and his arguments on a lot of different items. The, the question is for, 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 for the party and what this win means is the suburbs are in play. If Which you, we kind of, I mean, didn't we, we know knew that? that? Right. We knew that. Because but, it, but that nobody Trump, was willing to invest because Trump's strategy and the national strategy was let's juice up the rural areas. Mm-hmm. Let's ignore the moderates in the, in the urban areas because we have to actually, you know, 
have some cognitive dissonance. We knew that there was going to be a negative with educated folks. We knew that the educated electorate was not trending in the direction towards GOP and Trump candidacy. Now, so, just to yeah. be clear, when when a consultant like Larry says educated electorate, he's talking about people with degrees. Degrees, yeah. right? It's just secondary a, degrees, right? So when it you're doesn't talking, actually mean they're smarter. <laughs> it no, doesn't it actually doesn't. mean they know well, more. Given, given the DEI CRT <laughs> crap they're teaching at the university system, right. they actually be dumber. Yeah. But at the end of the day, when you're talking about the the, the trend lines, yeah, the moderate the the, the the suburbs are trending away, but now all of a sudden you see this guy win in what is the heart of Biden country in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. That's a beachhead. And when it should tell the national folks and when it should tell the, the state folks, and it did because the state party was very invested here. Mm-hmm. The state party had, I think, at least a minimum of three staffers. And full credit, Patrick Sebastian, who's the general consultant on Tarek Bakari's race, deserves a lot of credit for the work he did. You've got a lot of you – know, Charlie Mulligan, I think, worked on his race. you got the entire slate of Kyle and Kerry and uh, you know the, the Stephanie and Merrill. And they all did a great job ginning up all this effort. And without them, I think they should all be very happy because without them – Tark probably wouldn't have won. Mm. And the effort they put forward allowed them to sh- to have some success. And what Carl Rove used to preach was you got to win you got you got to win you got to lose by less in your urban areas. You got to compete. You can't just not compete. And if you if you see these areas it's almost like communism in the 1950s. You got to practice some containment, mm-hmm. which means the front lines aren't in the rural communities. That's turnout. They mm-hmm. are going to agree with you. The front lines for all of our efforts have to be urban school districts, urban city councils, urban county commissions. We have to take the fight to them, and we have to take it on policy. Because President President Trump, for all of his goods and ills, was the worst possible candidate for our community because he did nothing but alienate people. Mm-hmm. Now, Ron DeSantis, especially in those suburbs, in those, those suburbs, quote soccer yeah. moms, whatever that, yeah. that that area, that South Park, that wedge specifically, exactly. like that's the group that got alienated. That's the and they're the most persuadable, the most, the most swingable, correct part of the electorate, correct. News Talk eleven ten ninety nine three WBT and uh, joining me in studio Larry Shaheen. You go by Lawrence though on the Twitter machine. You know, the, do you the, get the, an Esquire? A, no, 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 no. You'll yeah. love this. I use Lawrence on social media to identify people I've never met in person. That's a good one. So when people see me and they call me Lawrence, it's like, okay, I know I've never met you. Right. Or you have no idea who I am. You could be a Twitter troll. Because I could be, yeah. Uh-huh, I'm uh-huh. like, okay, so now I know who I'm talking to. Good. I have to, yeah. Interesting. <laughs> Uh, that's why he is a strategist. Actually, he's a consultant, uh, political consultant and local attorney. Um, we're talking about the Charlotte City Council race and sort of the larger issues. Let me play a couple clips here. Uh, Joel Ford, former state senator, was on uh, this morning with uh, Bo Thompson and, mm-hmm. and Beth Troutman. Mm-hmm. Uh, good morning, BT. And uh, he had a couple comments. I isolated the sound bites. I want to get your reaction to this. Uh, he's, yep. he's talking about uh, Lawana Slack Mayfield, how she's a bit of a wild card. Uh, she is a Democrat, but... She was not at the Democrats' party last night, and also he's pointing out how the mayor got involved in these races. Bill and the mayor, they don't have the best of relationships. The uh, senior executive staff member is on record as having supported Renee Johnson's opponent. That doesn't happen without the mayor, okay? So there's a lot of dynamics that are going to be going on in this one particular year. Uh, The mayor's going to have to do some reconciliation, and the question is... Can this current elected city council trust the mayor? Can the and that's those are all Democrats. So he's talking about Dimple Ashmira, who was the top votainer, not vote getter. Mm-hmm. Votainer is the word we're using now. I'm not even going to mention this anymore. I'm just going to start using it, <laughs> and it's going to take. 
<laughs> so Dimple Ajmer, top boatainer in the uh, at-large race yesterday, she ostensibly would be the mayor pro tem. Oh, that's going to be your first, the, the first the first fight. fight that will determine whether they're going to be able to do things peaceably or not will be the mayor pro tem. Right, because historically she should be it. She should be it. And but there shouldn't the, be a question. But they're going to fight over it. Right, there will be a fight, and I'm just reading the tea leaves. Unless they can, unless they can, uh, uh, you know, detour off of the path they're on. But it sounds like. Uh, there, you know, there were some people. Well, you know, well, him. Like, apparently, the mayor said some comments last night that was not exactly. No, the mayor was angry last night. The mayor, mm. the mayor was very angry last night. I'm going to speak to what Joel talked about. All right, let me play the second yeah, soundbite. You, you can, you this, can, yeah. you can re- react to all of it. Yeah, I'm telling you, based upon the past, based upon the way that this election was uh, ran, and the way that the mayor involved herself in certain races strategically to benefit her agenda. Look, the mayor has every right to do that, but she also has the ability to suffer the consequences for those actions. Well, yeah, she's going to have consequences. Let's be real clear. Uh, every single member of Republican leadership in Raleigh uh, you know, interacts and works with Tark. They work with Ed, too, and they listen to the both of them. Mm-hmm. You just had a mayor try to take out one of those Republicans actively. She campaigned with Stephanie Hand. She was at rallies for Stephanie Hand. She gave $2,500 to Stephanie Hand. And she was out there doing everything she could to make sure that her person who supported transit was was elected over Tarek Bakari, who was an opponent to, not even an opponent to transit, an opponent to her strategy on transit, which everyone to this point has rejected. I mean, everyone. I mean, if you follow Steve Harrison, you follow anybody who's doing any any type of reporting on this, you know that transit was supposed to have been on the ballot two years ago. And it's not. It's not on the ballot this year. It's probably not going to be on the ballot next year if, if Mayor Lyles continues along the path she's on. And, and this is the inflection and they, point. they need Raleigh approval They've got to have Raleigh approval. And this is where a lot of folks here locally kind of learned from the Centra debacle. You don't let Raleigh approve something until everybody's weighed in. And right now there's a lot of folks who know that the minute Raleigh gives approval, unless everything is signed in stone with the rest of the local communities, the way that Charlotte screwed the rest of our county with the gold line, the fact that they never built the red line and have been taxing North Mecklenburg for 20 years for something they've never, ever gotten the benefit of, there is no trust. Absolutely zero trust. And Mayor Lyles, instead of reconciling and trying to build bridges and trying to, because look, openly, I'll tell you openly and publicly, I have tried to reach out to the mayor and to Julie Isold and to lots of others independently and through different ways to say, let's build a bipartisan coalition that could actually maybe talk about getting this done. It would require a regional transit authority. It would require you giving away control of your, your transit system to an authority. It would require you dedicating the entire portion of, a, of the proceeds for a first period of time to the red line. And then it would require that you make sure the bus system works. Period. That's it. Nobody has engaged on that. Why? Because the mayor is insistent on doing things her way. I'm gonna tell you right now. She's a staffer. She well, yeah. I mean, kinda, I mean, she's a she's, she's a used former, to being an executive, right? And she's not coalition building, right? So well, I mean, I say no. the city staffer. I'm, I'm not saying that like she's yeah, at she's, low level. She's but a, a Charlotte she's city a staffer. Charlotte city staffer. Right. That's her pedigree, and and so and and you know this town, and it's been this way forever, which is that the, it's a staff driven process. Yeah. It's a staff driven government, yeah. and so they're just like, I got this idea, and they kick it over to staff. It's one of the most infuriating things watching these meetings. And a city council member will say something, and she's immediately reframing and, and, and trying to, like, tailor what the person just said and to hand it off to staff. And if I'm on that council, I'm saying, uh, excuse me, Mayor, I do not need you to, like, reframe what I've just said. I'm perfectly capable of communicating. Well, unless I'm Braxton Winston. Yeah, right. 
No, if uh, anybody other than him, like they are perfectly capable of communicating what it is that they are trying to get from staff. They don't need her to repackage it in real time, but she does it every time. She does every time. And the problem is that she's, and I'm not, and I can't tell if it's because she's a control freak or if it's because of the fact that she just has to have her way. Mm. But the, the, the strongest leaders delegate out and mm-hmm. build coalitions, especially in politics. The most important trait for any politician is the ability, is the ability to count to majority plus one. Mm-hmm. And the problem she's got is not a city council problem. She's got a Raleigh problem. And right now, she's she's had a lot of folks going to Raleigh telling them that she has been acting in a partisan manner and that she should not be trusted when she's talking about her priorities. What we just saw with this election is that she has acted out in exactly the manner in which people have said she has been acting. And the speaker and the pro tem are now pretty much aware of that, as are most of the majorities in Raleigh. I would say that no one was no one came out of this more damaged election than than, than Mayor Lyles. Because now she has someone who she has actively opposed. That's going Tar- Tar- Bakari going back on council. Now, to be fair, Bakari opposed her, uh, not running against her, but I mean, he he has definitely gone toe to toe with her on a number of occasions. Going toe to toe with her on policy, as opposed to going toe to toe with her on politics, that didn't happen in 2019. So what I can yeah. so so I can accuse you of creating a slush fund and going around my back in order to deceive all the council and, and lie and all that as she set up that big fund or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I can accuse you of that, but that's not that's policy. Well, it's that's a valid politics. complaint. I agree, yeah. and yes, but, she I, can but, do I, that. but yeah. I'm not saying Tark is clean in all this because <laughs> I mean he picked a fight. Yeah, but and you he know what? Said that last he's night, he's doing his job. I agree. That's opposition. I agree. That's the minority's job. I agree. No, all right, so we got. agree with Tark. But you can still get but along Dimple, with someone and right. work with them. Yeah, but her, Dimple her, Ajmira, yeah. she's a Democrat. Yeah. Renee Johnson, she's a Democrat, mm-hmm. and and the way the mayor treats Renee Johnson, I mean, look, sometimes I'm listening to Renee Johnson, oh, I'm like, oh my wants, gosh, oh just my gosh. rambling, rambling, yeah. rambling. But the thing is, see, she Renee Johnson has some of the, she's got the code words down, and so when she says these things, gentrification and equity mm-hmm. and diversity and inclusion, mm-hmm. she's saying all these right words, and everybody's Democrat, so they're like, oh yeah, we agree, oh buzzword, buzzword. And they all know what these things kind of mean, but they just. They're lost by what it is she's trying to get at. Well, and again, let's circle back to the, what we talked about with the business community. We have a lack of strong individuals with experience in startups mm-hmm. anywhere near this council. Mm-hmm. We have someone who worked at TIAA. Mm-hmm. Um, we have someone who, who who's, who's a videographer. Mm-hmm. We have someone who... Was oh, that Winston? Winston. I thought we, he was a key grip. I thought he's a video. You know, he went to Phillips Academy. Yes, I do. He's actually really smart. I, I didn't say he was I, I, smart. I know, but yeah, he's no, but, really, uh, really smart. But, uh, it's not even a matter. Smart. It's like that's one of the most elite. It is. He went to Davidson. Boarding school. He, he went to Davidson. He went to Davidson. Yeah. But the boarding. But this is like a street justice activist guy who went where the president Bushes went. Seriously, sixty-six k a year for boarding school there. Did you know that? Yep. I don't know if he went on scholarship or something. Well, and you know, and you know what? But, like, I, I actually, kudos actually, to him. I, he and I, you and I, are able to have a lot of, lot of very cordial conversations. I'm sure. And I have a lot of respect for Braxton, given his story and everything that went through. Sure. Do I agree with him on a policy? Absolutely not. But Braxton, I, I'm going to say something so Uh-oh. controversial, you're not going to believe it. Is this news? Hang on. Yeah. Let's roll tape. I actually think Braxton Winston would be better for Charlotte in one way because he would actually try to seek and build bridges and and, and look for coalitions. 
He would actually try to build something that Mayor Lyles has not done. Mayor Lyles has not reached out to the Republicans in this area and tried to get them on board with going to Raleigh and getting things involved. And you know what? If she doesn't do that, her transit system is going to die on the vine as early as February of next year because, oh, by the way, who was she standing next to at that rally for Stephanie Hand? Oh, yeah, Christy Clark. Who's she running against? John Bradford, the only Republican representative to the General Assembly from North Carolina here in Mecklenburg County. And, oh, by the way, if Ron Bradford goes back there, which he probably is going to, given the environment and the fact that he's leading in fundraising, you're talking about a guy who's going to have veto power. Mm-hmm. She was just standing next to the two people who could do, who, who yeah, could have gotten her what she wanted if she won, but she took a huge risk. And just like all risks, they bear consequences. And the consequence that she's going to now bear is that she has been on record actively opposing a guy who could have wanted to work with her mm-hmm. on transit, and she has now had been standing toe-to-toe with the opponent to the one person who's going to have the most say in what happens with transit in 2023. That's just not smart policy. Politics. You got to be better than that. So you, so you're saying Braxton Winston should have run for mayor this year? That would have okay. been great. All right, that would have right. been a great primary. All right, hang on. Uh, more I can't help promote chaos. I love, I love chaos. <laughs> Larry Shaheen is with me. Hang on. All right, News Talk 1110-993 WBT. Uh, Larry Shaheen, attorney, political consultant here in Charlotte, uh, in with me for a couple more minutes. Here's a question. I thought you know Brent Woodcox. Yeah, I love yeah. Brent. Here's a question I threw out at him after the last election when uh, I think Republicans got got wiped out in Raleigh and Wake yep. and Charlotte yep. and Mecklenburg yep. and Durham and like everywhere in all of the all of the cities. <clears throat> and I asked him, so I'll ask you, why should Republicans help to build cities if once the cities are successful, Democrats take them over and have no use for Republicans or conservatives ever again? They shouldn't. So Republicans should not conservatives should not conservatives should not help conser- build cities. Not just conservatives. I think North Carolinians as a whole should not be supporting what's happening in large cities right now. And let's be clear: large cities are are being. If, if the large cities were willing to accept diversity of thought, if they were willing to allow someone to be successful who had different political beliefs, if they were willing to believe that community consisted of individuals who who had different thoughts, mm-hmm. I would not say that. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna tell you, I live off of uh, I, I live off of uh, Trade Street. I live right uptown. I, I love this community. I've been here my whole life. Oh, my wife yeah. and I had an apartment in Center City, yeah. and we were very much no, I love it. in love with the idea and of the I, urban. I grew up in Long Island. Like I yeah, would I love the leave. idea of being able to walk out and go all uptown, mm-hmm. and then and then the riots that not only propelled Braxton Winston into office, but also you know threatened the uh, the the property and the the walk commute that my wife had, like. Right next to the police headquarters? No, I, I'm not interested in, in having a car burned in front of my apartment. Well, and that's, and, that, and that's the issue is that it's not so much are we willing to contribute to the building of big cities. Are we willing to abdicate responsibility for having a role in, the, in, these, in these communities? Are we willing to, to give up and retreat and say that the only place in which we're going to participate is going to be in suburban communities? Mm-hmm. I, don't think that's, I don't think that's good. Do I think that we should be – I'll tell you what we shouldn't be doing – we should not be in- encouraging large businesses to come here and relocate into large cities and help them continue to grow and then try to defeat individuals who've been responsible for the tax policy that created North Carolina and the number one business climate that we have. The one thing that I consistently say to General Assembly members over and over and over again is this. We have to understand how we got here. We didn't get here in 2010, 2011 because the Democrats let us get here, 
right? Mm-hmm. No, they fought us tooth and nail. Mm-hmm. And they have fought every policy that's been enacted that's now made North Carolina a fantastic place. That they now claim credit for. That they for. now claim credit for. Every Democrat who ever says that they're like, yay, we're the number one state. Okay, were you ever on Twitter calling us killers for having, you know, the, the gall to pay back the federal government our mm-hmm. unemployment debt? Did you, did, you know, when Bob Rucho did that wonderful thing that everyone hated him for, but happened to actually help this state? Oh, and by the way, it was Bob Rucho's tax policy right. that actually created this state and Bill Berger's tax policy with Tom Tillis that has helped create this state. Oh, and by the way, the fact that we have a beautiful state that's got great natural resources that we do take care of is a wonderful place to do business. Why in the world are we going to contribute to the growth of urban communities when urban communities don't accept the fact that their role in this state is to be business creators and not partisan activist creators? We're not here to create opportunities for nonprofits and partisan activists. We're here to create opportunities for the guy down the street who says, I want to leave Wells Fargo and I want to start a business that's going to serve those companies. And I want to make a lot of money that's going to stay in this state and grow this state. Mm -hmm. That's who we should be helping. We need to start focusing our policies on growth of medium to small North Carolina-based businesses and do everything we can to help them grow. And what needs to happen now is that there needs to be a repudiation from New York and Los Angeles. Because if you look at the the numbers on fundraising for Senate right now, 55% of Shara Beasley's donations are coming from New York and Los Angeles. Yeah. Out of state. Yeah, so this way they can dictate. This way they can dictate. We are not a subservient state in this union. North Carolina should have an active voice in the control and governance of its own future. That is only going to happen if North Carolinians care enough to be able to get involved in the elections. Of course, it's easier to raise money in New York and California because they're going to give it because they want people in North Carolina to do what they say. Let's be clear. We have now seen urban communities pay the price for their failed policies in education and so many things. They don't, but that's, I agree with you, but Democrats do not. No. And, And herein lies the fundamental rift, which is, that I look at what's happening in Charlotte and I say, we need a course correction. And the people who gave us the current situation are not probably the best positioned to offer that course correction. That's correct. However, the people who are actually suffering the most under these policies, they want them to continue. Correct. They want the people in place who put them there to stay in place, to continue these policies. Which is why why we have to fight. We have to fight for these communities. We cannot cannot let them go. This is, this is, you cannot force somebody to make a change when they are unwilling to. They have to hit rock bottom. They've got to make that decision for themselves. That's correct. And I've said, I said it when I was in Asheville as well. Like on Mecklenburg County Commission, let's mm-hmm. say I wanted to go offer myself as a volunteer and serve on a committee at the county level. You and I would not be. Um, I, I take that back. The county commission probably would. Because Pat Cotham and Dina DiOrio and the people that serve on that yeah, board, maybe. they probably would. City, well, I guarantee. I will, Diorio, I will it, never it, be allowed. I will never be allowed to serve on the on the planning commission as an appointment from Charlotte, right? Because I don't believe in community benefit agreements. I don't believe in all of this nonsense that they're trying to push down the throats of developers, and that's the problem. Well, my, my, they don't want the other. They don't want the other ideas in the room, right? And my only point was that the, I don't even have a representative that I can actually go to to get on there because uh, even though I'm unaffiliated, but I am who I am, so there isn't. You know, you have a district system, a district rep mm-hmm. system, especially at the city level where, you know, these are my appointments. I get that appointment and the council doesn't really have much of a say in that in those appointments. It's my mm-hmm. it's my pick. Mm-hmm. Well, if I'm one of two Republicans, then I get, you know, one slot. The other Republican gets another slot and then nine others are Democrats. I have zero impact. And at the county level, I have no ability to even get in the room That's right. to even make the So. So why would I why would I help build something that is going to then be used against me? Because at the end of the day, we have to remember why why government exists and what what those who were involved in politics are here to do. To take other people's money. No. Oh. No. 
We're to create an opportunity for success. And if we're not fighting to create that opportunity for success for the people who don't give a rat's behind about what goes on in politics, we're losing the point. It's not about the fight. It's about making sure that we're creating something that's going to be able to impact them, their kids, and help them be successful. The rest of it's all garbage. Larry Shaheen, thanks for your time, buddy. Appreciate it. He's an attorney. He's a political consultant. You I always love coming here. You got a website? No, no, no. I just, I, I'm, if you I'm, know, I'm, you know. If you know, you know. There you go. All right. <laughs> See you soon, man. Appreciate it. News is next. You're the man. Thanks, Pete. We'll be right back.